into the online broadcast network. AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries. And your number one source for after show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now... Let the buzz begin. When the lights go hey everybody, the welcome to another episode of The Ultimate Fighter, season 21, week 2. Let me introduce to you my co-host, I'm Suri Serrano, and next to me is Mr. Jared Gilkerson. Welcome. It's great to be back. Yes, Episode is, right? 2. I know, it's, it's pretty exciting. This is fun. To talk about. Yeah. And over on the other side of the table, Mr. Jay Tan. Hello. Tan or Tan? Tan. 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 Welcome back. <laughs> I have no joke for that. Just, yeah, <laughs> you, you would think after all these years that I've been around, I would have some kind of line for it. Yeah, but no, no. <laughs> You're kind of making me go back to the uh, to the drawing board. Mental I'm sorry, note. my bad. <laughs> no. And to your left, Miss Beautiful Alexis Torres. Welcome. Oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, but you know it's there. <laughs> so, um, and we have to introduce our very special guest joining us from Florida. Oh. Tough Twenty One. Mr. Kamaru Usman, thank What's you for up? joining us. Can you hear us? Uh-oh, we can't hear him. Audio issues. We're going to work on that. Anyway. But the, he is right there, as you can see. <laughs> he is floating behind <laughs> us. But we cannot hear him. <laughs> we'll get that sorted out. Uh, Marissa, thank you. Our, our uh, producer is, is going to work. Oh, there we go. All right. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Nice. Guys. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. No problem. It's a pleasure to have you. So, we, You're I don't even, we could start in a million different places with this episode, right? I mean, let's, first of all, for those joining in that might not know, it's uh, two teams, Florida based teams, American Top Team, mm-hmm. and the Black Zillions face off, and they're living in a house together. I'm sure most most people are familiar with the, the Ultimate Fighter. And the, the prize at the end, you know, $500,000 is up for grabs. And there's quite a history between these two teams, and especially the owners. They hate each other. Kamara, uh, I'm going to just start jump in and ask you about these owners is it legit how much is for you know show and tv and 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 even ratings who knows what do you think it is 100 legit i believe tv just gives everybody at home a chance to see the animosity that's really between the two of these guys they really genuinely don't like each other and there was a few times on the show that i thought they were gonna they, they were gonna come to blows but that beef is 100% genuine, and they do not like each other. Yeah, I was going to ask you real quick. From this episode, you could see your reaction in the background when they were going at it uh, with each other. What didn't? Is there anything that we didn't see that was on camera between the two of them? Um, of course, on camera they're going to edit it. You know the way with they can't have the full scene in there, so it could have been maybe a five minute complete talk that you guys couldn't see on there that they had to cut down to a certain amount. But, yeah, there was a point there that I felt like it was baseball. It was going to be the batter's box and just clear out both, and it was just going to be a brawl right there in the middle of the gym. (laughs) It's funny because with this season, I mean, there's a lot of differences in – 
in the, in the way that this season is set up. Like, one of the only similarities, really, is the house itself. Um, but and, and we can talk about the differences later. I am definitely curious to get uh, Kamara's take on the whole experience. But with the, f- um, with the coaches themselves, this is the first time that we've had coaches that aren't fighters themselves, that uh, the season is not culminating in a fight between them. This is just bad blood between uh, one gym, well, two gym owners now, obviously, but one who came from, uh, came from the other gym originally, ATT, you know, Brazil, Black Zillions really became, was a, was a, I wouldn't even quite say an offshoot, but in some ways kind of was from ATT. Um, so, to that end, does that like with these coaches not being fighters? Although, uh, granted, Dan Lambert has a uh, uh, has a black belt in, in jiu-jitsu, correct, Kamaro? Correct. That's my understanding. Um, does uh, I mean talk about the the training or the, the yeah the training background with with Glenn? And do you think that there's any uh, what are the kind of the differences with between two coaches that aren't necessarily going to fight at the end and that aren't active fighters versus previous seasons? Did it ever feel like? Like you said, two coaches, but it did feel like dad versus dad, and you, you kind of wanted to see that fight happen, but you also really didn't want to see that happen? Well, I mean, uh, something that a little dynamic that people are missing is uh, it's not coach versus coach. It's mm-hmm. manager versus manager. Okay. And these are basically they're the top dogs. They own both gyms, both establishments, and they manage uh, a, quite a few guys on in each gym. And in most cases, in our, our guys – most of the guys in our gym are managed by Glenn. I don't think there's, to, be, to my knowledge, I don't think there's anyone that's not managed by us. Mm-hmm. And but in the American Top Team, there's a lot of guys that aren't even managed by Dan, and you know they have different managers, but they just train there. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's the dynamic: it's manager versus manager, not so much coach versus coach. We still have our regular coaches, just like they have their regular coaches, and both the coaches are you know are very familiar george santiago was originally a fighter there and came from that school mm-hmm. and you know in a sense became you know one, uh, one of our main coaches as well and so it, it's you know dan yes dan has a black belt in jiu-jitsu uh glenn uh glenn is not a black belt in jiu-jitsu but you know for two guys older guys like glenn comes in the gym and gets his workout in he comes mm-hmm. in and, and you know he can throw some hands, and uh, so that's definitely he he's has his own thing where what he that he does. I mean he's not a fighter; he's not trying to be a fighter, and but that's his thing. But if he had to defend himself, I, I I'm pretty confident that he could uh, let his hands go. Kamaro, I had a quick question to add on top of that. Uh, it seems that Dan and I'm not just uh, tooting the Black Zillion's horn here because you're our guest. <laughs> But I, I tend to think that he's kind of reaching for a lot of his arguments to why he, you know, disagrees with all the Black Zillion success and how they gained all the fighters, you know, to join their gym. Uh, it seems that he's, in my opinion, that he's a, a bit jealous that Glenn got there so quickly and didn't go through all the hardships. But I don't think that that has to be a requirement. What's your opinion of Dan's opinion of Glenn? Um, one hundred percent. That that that's that's part of the that's part of it. You know, I feel that that that's a big part of Dan uh, Dan's problem with Glenn is that in his eyes he wants. I think he felt that Glenn shouldn't be able to do it as fast as he has done it, and so he's in a sense jealous that how did you do that or 
you know, how how are you up here like this? If you didn't buy your way in, you must have paid these guy and that guy to write this article about you, to, to, to put this out or put that out. You must have bought that fighter or that fighter to come to your gym. How did you do it so fast? When, in a sense, it's MMA was is it ever it's, it's it's evolving every day. It's a sport that's evolving so fast, and so guys all around the world are going to go to the best place that they feel like they can make that change with. And so if guys, big name guys, feel like the Black Zillions, the guys, the talent that we have in our gym, that's the place they want to be to make that change with so quickly, then of course big name guys and good guys are going to come to our gym. And so in a sense, I think that's something that bothers him because, you know, they kind of, they've been around for a while since, you know, kind of in those beginning stages, the, the stepping stones of MMA. And so I think that, you know, them going through the trenches like that, you know, I've even heard him say a few times, you, you just bought your way here to Glenn that you didn't, you didn't put the time in. And so I think that that is part of why he's a bit upset with Glenn on why, uh, the, you know, it is what it is right now, the way the black Zillions are. You think that that lit a fire under ATT's ass to kind of change their ways, revamp their fight team and their training? I mean, now they've got Robbie Lawler as, as champion. Obviously, that was a, a good run, kind of re-sparked his career. Uh, T. Wood. Um, you know. um, yeah, I, I think um, I think so. I mean, it's it's if you have a you know if you have a McDonald's down the street that's you know making pretty shitty burgers, and then right <laughs> across the street uh, a Burger King opens up a brand new one that that's putting out good burgers at McDonald's to stay in business, you're gonna have to clean up. Either you clean up or not. And so, uh, I mean, I think, you know, it's common sense that, yeah, you would have to clean up or all your fighters are going to want to leave and go to this brand new gym that's Mm -hmm. obviously doing great things and helping their guys out. Kamara, does it bother the fighters at all that the coaches are such a focus of the show and in general, maybe even off the show? Is it something that the fighters even think about or talk about or is it a distraction at all? No, I don't. I don't think it was a distraction. I, no, no, no one's told me that. No one's felt like that. I don't think it was a distraction because at the end of the day, we were the ones who had to go in, in the cage and, and fight. So we had a lot on our minds that we needed to work on and needed to focus on, as far as getting down the weight, making sure you were on, and, and getting in there competing for your team. Because overall, there's a like you guys mentioned, there's a grand prize there that we're all competing for. And it's also an opportunity for us to better our lives and our families' lives. And so I don't think we were were too worried about that. Yeah. Uh, There is something I definitely want to ask you about. Uh, Last week, on last week's episode, when Dana White said that, you know, he kind of mentioned it in passing that maybe both teams are a little bit pampered being in Florida and, and, uh, you know, have very wealthy owners taking care of everybody. What is your take on what he said? Um, initially, uh, I, I, most people wouldn't have caught that, but I, I, um, I heard it. And, uh, to be honest with you, it's something that kind of, it irritated me a bit and it, it irked me quite a bit thinking about all week because it's, uh, I'm not, it, it's no secret. Yes, we have very wealthy owners and me personally, um, uh, res- the reason I even got, I made the full decision to switch to MMA is because of someone that I consider, you know, not just a brother and a mentor, you know, but uh, it's someone that I, I really, I owe a lot to, and that's Rashad Evans. 
And so when Dana said that, it kind of it it, it kind of irked me because I'm my own man, and and I wasn't raised to depend on somebody else. Now it's a different case if someone wants to help me get to you know that that goal that I ultimately that I see for myself and that I'm striving for. But I don't I don't want to depend on anybody, and I I don't go out of my way to depend on anybody. And so when Dennis says, "Oh, these guys are just you know down there living a rich life," and and you know and they don't that's not that didn't light a fire under them the way they were fighting. That's that I felt that that wasn't true. Yes, you have guys in Brazil that are going balls to the wall trying to kill themselves. It's easy to try to go balls to the wall and kill yourself when you're you're fresh off the street, you're two and one or one and two, and and you don't really have that much experience. But you have a, a crazy character, a crazy personality that's good for TV. Well, fine, let's just throw this guy in there and be good for TV. But it's also tougher when you have a whole cast of. If you look down their cast and their guys, there's maybe there's. One of their guys has more fights and more experience than, if not, five or six of our guys put together, combined. And so, when we're going out there, it's like basically David fighting, going with with Goliath. But you know, basically David is finding a way to win every time. And so, if we needed to do what we, you know, adjust our game plan to find a way to win that fight, then we're going to find a way to win that fight because at the end of the day. Yeah, we can go balls to the wall, but if you lose, you still lost. Right. You know, it's nice though. I mean, I guess I'm really curious about how the uh, the season plays out. In that, this is not an elimination tournament anymore. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think so. There is the possibility for somebody to lose and then still come back and fight again. Correct. Yes, definitely. And so, uh, possibly even guys can go the whole season and not fight at all, and others could fight three or four times. Right. Definitely. Not realistic, but uh, um, to that end, I mean, what's what was the take with you guys as a team in terms of um, that possibility of, of not even fighting? I mean, that was never the case with any of the other seasons. Everyone knew that they got a shot at least once. Um, and it, it, I'm also curious about, uh, about what the UFC has said in terms of fighter contracts, you know, if you guys uh, automatically get UFC contracts or, or how that works after the season's over. I'm curious to see what they say about that as well. I, mean, <laughs> I know as much as you know uh, in, in that aspect, but You're yeah, really it was a different dark, dynamic yeah. this season because it's it's obviously eight of our guys versus eight of their guys, and mm-hmm. there's 12 fights. And so, of course, a few guys had to fight more than once. Mm-hmm. Somebody was going to have to fight more than once. And you can either go four guys, fight twice, or... You basically, you could have one guy fight all 12 fights if you wanted to. My and guess so, is that you fight for the next 11 shows, right? <laughs> you just go, right? Exactly. I just I just go. They just throw me in there. We fight after fight. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk strategy a little bit because there is, it, as Dana said and yeah. everybody's talked about, there is a lot of strategy involved. It's it's pretty much all strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis, what is your take on on how it's breaking down so far. Well, the one thing that I know that I've talked to Jay about, especially from last season, was that the fact that that you don't know who the fighter is until 24 hours prior. So I really like that you have to strategize in every way possible instead of just sitting there kind of going, oh, I know who I'm fighting, so I have time to actually look at this fighter, see how they fight, and know what I can expect. This time you're just you're literally taking everything that you know 
and you have to just plan it out really well. And as a fighter myself, we don't have that until the day of, or sometimes we do know. So it, I like that you can stay on your toes the whole time. Yeah. Stay ready. Idea. You don't got to get ready. And yeah. That's certainly the case in this season. Kamara. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and that's one thing that, you know, I think Dana didn't take into account when he, when he made that comment because when you have infinite amount of time to or, you know, however long you have, four weeks to eight weeks to train for a, an opponent and you know who you're going to fight, it, it makes a different fight. You basically, you can you can break down, watch film, break down what that guy is good at, that opponent is good at, or what they're not good at. And so you can come out there and try to exploit that weakness and, you know, make a, a bigger, a wide margin of a decision for yourself or finish that opponent based on what you saw. But this, you don't know who you're fighting 24 hours. You only know who you're fighting 24 hours before. So you have to be ready for anyone at any given time. And we all know styles make fights. And so a different style with going with your style might make for a boring fight, while a different style might make for the most exciting fight of all times. Absolutely, Jerry. Well, we're talking about Dana's comments. So I thought, you know, <laughs> episode one was last week, Kamaro, and he didn't have very many kind words to say about your fight with Michael Graves. Uh, he said that both of you held back a bit and that both of you should be going for it. Um, I, as a spectator, was kind of thinking more strategically as for your career, thinking that you don't want to show everything on the first week. Um, you know, you, you want to go uh, 110%, but you don't want to show eight other guys on the other team everything that you have. And if you win week one, you know, to me, that's that's a win-win. I know that Dana wants really exciting stand-up fights, but what's your opinion about what he said about the fight and what was your strategy going into week one? Yeah, uh, that that is uh, when you when you go into it. There's like there's also a huge difference in, in dynamic in this season. In other seasons, it's basically for the fights you're in the the UFC gym and in Vegas, and basically it's you guys, your team, and their team, and maybe eight other people in there. The judges, Dana, Lorenzo, or whoever else is attended, you know, there for that fight. And so it's eight guys, so it's quiet in that gym. So you come in and you 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 do what you got to do, but there was a different dynamic this season. It was in our gym, mm-hmm. so we had to defend home turf. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you step in, there's a there, there, it's a such a draining process to be in there and not just in front of my team but their team. So you walk in the gym and there's forty to fifty guys from ATT screaming ATT at you. And there's 40 to 50 guys from my team screaming black zillions at me. And so it, the tensions are very, very high in there. And, and you can just feel that when you when you walk out there going to the cage because you have to represent your team. And so, yeah, definitely there was it was a lot, a lot of pressure. And not to mention it was the first fight of the season. You go out yeah, there no and do pressure. something crazy. You get caught and you're you're knocked out. And now you just lost for your team and lost the home advantage for your team instead of being strategic about the fight and doing what you need to do to win the fight because it's it's still a competition at the end of the day. Looking back, do you feel like you held back at all week one? Do I feel like I held back? I would say definitely uh, the adrenaline and all the, you know, just the, the pressure of being that first fight, being that first guy out there, I would say it, it definitely t- that's something that holds you back. Fear holds you back. 
Yeah. So fail, you know, the fear of failure, that's always something that, that, that holds men back. But, you know, but if I was afraid to fail, then I wouldn't have came out of that locker room to, to represent <laughs> my team. Absolutely. I still walked out there to the cage and I still let it go for my team. And I still went out there and got the, uh, the win for us. You brought something up, actually, that I'm, I'm very curious about, and there's a minor point, but I know a lot of fans are, are probably wondering. Um, th- specifically, during your fight, the people around the cage, that seemed like it, maybe it was just because it was a smaller uh, enclosure than the, the tough house in Vegas in the gym, but it seemed like there was a lot more people around the cage rooting for, really, it sounded like they were rooting for black zillions half the time. Who was allowed in there for those fights? I mean, you mentioned you know fifty uh, uh, fifty people from ATT and Black Zillions. Maybe that was, you're just pulling out a number, but um, was it split between the two? Were, were members of the gyms invited to watch these uh, uh, the shows and stuff? Uh, I don't know the exact pe- uh, the criteria for to be invited in, but I know. I walk out for my fight and I can point out, oh, that's Robbie Lawler, that's Dustin Poirier, that's Tisha Torres, that's this guy, this guy, and that guy. And I look over Anthony Johnson, Gilbert, Rashad Evans, Tyrone Spong, and <laughs> Michael Johnson. And it's just the list goes on of, of guys that are in that gym. And I don't know if they let families in or if they let doctors or, and, and people, you know, just affiliated with both gyms in the gym. But it was a lot of people. And I don't even think for that first fight, the cameras didn't really even do it justice. There was a lot of people in that gym. You know, in my opinion, it's probably one of my favorite aspects of this season is having that those crowds. Yes, the, yeah. it's loud. That yeah, sound. Because, yeah. Last last season, it was so quiet because it was just the girls it and the coaches. Is. Every tough season, mm-hmm. yeah, it's quiet. And then so this one really caught me off guard because I was like, "Wow, is there? Can you actually go in and watch? Because <laughs> I would like to be part of that, even though they already shot it. But <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, though. It kind of amped up everybody. Imagine how hard it must have been, though. There had to have been some very specific criteria because. They're obviously very secretive and protective about information getting out ahead of time. So the people that they had in there must have had to sign some kind of a waiver. Well, yeah, that's like with anything. I mean, yeah. Right, you but can't. that's such a huge amount of people that it would be very easy to leak info and for it to get lost in the mix with uh, whoever. That's you know, why there. you have good producers and I love that Nat sound. That, that ten minutes, that ten minutes of the show of the of the two five minute rounds, yeah. just. Just you know, you hear the fighters fighting and trainers and other and other fighters yelling at them, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just that is some of the most anxious reality TV out there right now, and I love it. It sucks you right in. It's fun. How was it for you, Kamara? Was that you know? I mean, I know you don't know any different because you haven't been on another tough season, but it must have really made it a, an exciting atmosphere. It did. Uh, I actually coached on season fourteen of Tough, and so I I, I was there for for those fights and. I've been in that gym and, and heard how, how quiet it is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's very quiet in there. You just go mm-hmm. in and it's quiet, you focus, and you, you get the fight out of the way. But in this one, it was everyone. And, and, and it was, it just, it's added pressure because you have, usually when you go to a fight in an arena, you have thousands of people that you don't really know or don't care about. You know, right. just drug fans screaming random things at you, and you, you get used to blocking that out, and and just and just focusing on your coach's voices. But in this this season, it was it was guys that you know 
regularly that that see you on a daily basis that train with you on a daily basis so you know their voices and they know your strength and your weaknesses so they know what to say or scream at you and so you have 40 guys screaming different advice to you at different times and it makes it very tough to even listen to your coach or hear your corner right well, let's let's talk rivalries for a second because I think the show is is showing us the producers are show, you know kind of starting to build up to show us the rest mm. of the season that perhaps you Kamaro and uh, another gentleman in the house um, get into it a little bit. Can we talk about Mister uh, Mister Hater? Yes, Hater uh, was a, is a Hider. guy that I've 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 I know of. I've never seen him per- physically in, in person, but I know of him because he's fought two of my teammates previously. Mm-hmm. And so both of those guys, and they, they, they said the exact same thing. Oh, this guy is super nice and, and, and super this. But after each fight, he acts like a total jerk. And so I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I saw that on TV. I saw his, his last fight with one of my teammates, uh, Felipe. And so I, I kind of, I was reserved about my feelings for him. And so coming into the house, we were doing the, he was very respectful in front of me, always to my face, very respectful, nothing out of character. He would never say anything wrong to me, which I, I don't, I never even presented that opportunity. I'm not that kind of guy to really, you know, put myself out there unless you say something to me first. And so he kind of, as you can see in that, this last episode, in front of me, the, the the beginning of the episode where I'm in the kitchen, and cause which I was the first one up every morning. I'm in the kitchen, and he comes in the kitchen, and he's like, "Oh well, I really respect you guys. You 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 and, and Michael Graves fought a tough fight. You guys are both warriors, and and you know I really respect you guys. And hopefully, you know, a warrior like yourself, me and we can get a chance to mix it up because I think we'll have the fight of the season. We can really make some money." 100% respectful, and, I, and I, I'm like, I respect that. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, you know, you saw my face in that episode. <laughs> yeah, <we did. laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, um, yeah, I, I get that. Were you buying and it? Then it cuts to the next scene, and he's in a van. He's just like, I'm going to F that dude <laughs> yeah. up. I'm, gonna put fish. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> he's playing you. That's what he's doing, you know, and you know that. And, but, you know, you're so much better at formulating two sentences together, so we appreciate that. <laughs> I'm t- I'll take a shot. We can, we can get Hyder on the show. I love it, but uh, I think he thinks he's a little more clever than he is, and I think you see through that. Yeah, 100%. I saw right through that. I didn't even I – don't, I don't get involved in all that. I was there for a competition. I was there with my team. We had a goal in mind, and we were here to win this competition, and nothing was going to deter us from that. And so we had to stay the course and stay focused and get that done. And I couldn't, if I was cracking or if I was unraveling, the whole team would kind of follow suit. And that's what we didn't want. And so we just stayed strong and I didn't play into the mind games. That's not me. At the end of the day, if you're going to fight me, we're scheduled to fight. You're going to have to step in that cage and I'm going to have to step in the cage. And whether I'm nervous or scared or whatever, I'm still going to step in that cage and I'm going to put it all out there. And so I don't, I don't even engage in in that warfare or whatever. I know that you can't give too much away, if anything, future episodes to come, but I asked you earlier, what, you know, why do you think out of all the guys in the house, his attention went towards you? To be honest, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, 
certain people, I, I believe, exhibit you just kind of exude a certain energy about themselves. And I, I guess I, I was I didn't come in with you know talking crap or talking negative about them and, and certain things like that. So it might have been something that bothered him because that's something he expected. And so he might have bothered him like, why isn't this guy talking trash? Why isn't this guy, you know, trying to stir up beef or start start trouble? So you know what, I, you know what, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna pick on him and see what what what's about this guy. Or he might have done research and felt that I was, you know, the most threatening guy to him in the house. So yeah, I don't know to be honest with you. Are those kind of antics something we can expect from him for the rest of the season? It struck me kind of like he was the, <laughs> no, a little I'm bit the, the, the Chris Levin, the Junie Browning of uh, of the house. <laughs> Am I off on that one, or he's the instigator? Hater well, the instigator. You know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not. You know, we we pretty much. I'm not around him the whole season. So because mm. as you can tell, you know, he's one way in front of me, and he's another way behind me my my mm. back so i can't really tell you what else he does because i haven't seen all episodes so i don't know what else mm-hmm. he does but i mean you it's not be, looking too good right now you gotta be doing something right if you got haters on your back so yeah and hiders oh my god i like that about this season too is that last last season not to like not to bring any like sexist roles or anything but i mean with the all women fighters if there's drama they just kind of stayed away from each other that was kind of what that was or they would talk crap behind each other's back but they would never make any confrontation in front so oh, there this, was, though. i mean there was but i mean there wasn't like mind games you know what i mean like there was it was more like you were being catty well, that's what 20 women will do in a yeah, house together. Exactly. So that's why I like it <laughs> Some here. Some fellas will go for that too, though. Yes, yeah, that's true. I know. Exactly. So yeah. I liked, I kind of liked that this season, that it's more of like, it's more for int- like intimidation than just kind of being like, I hate that, you know, B word or whatever, you know. I like that. I don't know. Kamara, oh. I, we'll see, but I, I am not going to disagree with you, but I feel like we see, we've we already seen a little bit of cattiness between the guys true. in a couple weeks. What do you think, Kamara? Ah, uh, cattiness between the guys. I. <laughs> That's the name of the next episode. I don't know if I would, <laughs> I know if I would call it cattiness between the guys. <laughs> I'm asking. It's more like, you know, mad dogging between the guys. Yes. Like, yeah. That's a better, more masculine term for it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But there, there is definitely uh, a back and forth uh, struggle that, that kind of happens between the guys. And, and it... You know, it, it definitely gets it blurs the lines a bit. You know, when you and, and you can expect that you have sixteen guys living in a very close, confined space for six, seven weeks with all that testosterone there, and you you can't see your family, no phones, no TV, nothing to distract you. There's bound to be some some mad dogginess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it trips me out, though, because looking at that house, I mean, the tough house in Vegas was one thing, but y'all got a tough mansion there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I so- mean, the view outside and the pool, I, I I guess there was a pool table to begin with in, in all seasons, but that was a hellified pool table y'all got in there, you know? Because <laughs> I, I love that you brought that up because there's a viewer, his name's Joseph Boza, he's always watching Joe our Boza, shows. what up? Um, he also said, like, to me, the uh, the house felt and looks bigger. Six bedrooms, 17 bathrooms, and a guest house, question mark? They even have, yes. they have a workout room there. Yeah. Yeah. 
It, it's uh, it, it was a huge house when we when we when we got in. It was a huge house, but of course, they were confined to a you know restricted from some parts of the house. So it's hmm. it's not That's we just had action. access to yeah. this fat mansion because you saw how big that house is. If we had access to that whole house, there would be no interaction between both. That's people. so true. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's a very good point. <laughs> Zero interaction. <laughs> And so, of course, it. we're confined to a, a certain space, limited space, to where we had to have those interactions between the two teams. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a nice house. And I think the view is probably the best thing about that house is the views. It's right on the intercoastal. And so mm-hmm. you got to see Sundays, Saturdays. You got to see the boats driving by. And it was beautiful and sunny. And that was one of the, the biggest things that I loved about the house the most. That struck me when the last episode when you guys are coming in, they're introducing the teams. Y'all coming in the house on the boat reminded me like a hype Williams video. It was ridiculous. I'm like, where's Puffy with the shiny suit? You know, and, and, and at the stern of the oh, boat. Oh, my Puffy dance, huh? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> word. Well, let's let's break down the fight of this episode. Let's get to it. Do we Jared? have to? <laughs> <laughs> it made me so mad, and I didn't realize like we were all talking about when we were watching it that how different. They were. I mean, you told me that he was uh, uh, that he was the rookie. The differences Which, between the uh, Buscapi and yeah. Uh, uh, Uros. Yeah, Did Uros I get that right, Kamaru? Yes, Uros. 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 Yeah, big difference in age and experience Dance. with these mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, and that's another fascinating aspect of the show is that you have so much less time to prep for your opponent. The days that you find out your opponent twenty four hours then before you fight him, whereas in previous seasons. Well, well, you were on season 14. I mean, how many days was it between when guys would be announced who they're fighting versus when they actually fought? Was it three, four, five days? Yeah, I believe it was about three to four days. Okay. A little bit more time to to plot and plan. But that is – it really is like a a black gammon crapshoot here. It's a a big difference because you have have time to to plan on not just – the fight itself, but your weight cut, and that you know, on how you you want to make that weight cut, and so with this, you you had no time. So the when you found out, you had to step on scale. So you you're fighting this guy when you you step, you know, basically, I have to fight this guy tomorrow. So it doesn't matter how bad your weight cut was or how good your weight cut was, you you were fighting this guy, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not, and so that that made it a, a big a huge difference. But yeah, it was. You know, they had their most, the least experienced guy going against our most experienced guy. So that basically showed that what team was kind of really dialed in and playing this this game. And that's basically we were playing chess at that point, and it was checkers basically. Yeah. Right. yeah. Let's break down round one. What did you guys think, Jared? Do you well, want to? Well, go? going into the fight, uh, like we talked about the experience of Buscape and Uros is so young. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what struck me too was, uh, Buscape was so much shorter, but his, he had a longer reach. So I wasn't even worried about Uros's, his striking. Uh, I thought that Buscape, Buscape could smother that. And, uh, even in the first round, you could see Buscape getting in some good strikes. So in the first round, I mean, he completely controlled, uh, you know, it was four and a half minutes on the ground. Yeah. It, yep. So, I mean, he dominated that round. Uh, and Uros d- looked scared to me. I mean, he looked worried in the ring, and Buscavid just looked calm and cool and collected, and he definitely controlled the whole first round. Yeah, I think it did look a lot. The, the differences in experience and mentality 
were was pretty apparent on on each guy's face. I mean, in a lot of ways, this it felt a little bit like uh, the pre- Graves and uh, Kamaru's fight in that it was takedown. Uh, Groundwork. Although you know Graves continued to get up, and Kamara would take him down again, there was a little bit less of that. But you know, when you're under a guy like Buscape, you know, and you have that much less experience, Slovenia is not really known for their wrestling. I don't think, <laughs> certainly not for their Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're against a, a guy with with the experience in BJJ and MMA like Buscape, you know, you're in for a rough day there. Uh, on bottom, and it was. Um, I guess I was a little bit surprised that Buscape didn't try to exert more for uh, for a finish, for an early finish. But um, you know, he certainly he, he couldn't get out like um, who am I think Uros. He was keeping the closed guard, and so uh, there wasn't a lot of room to maneuver and get out of there uh, to to pass guard. Um, you know, and so he just I saw a lot of hammer fists, and you know he. Pounded them out for uh, for the five minutes there yeah. for the most part. Alexis, no, I, I mean Jay took everything I wanted to say. It was just, it just <laughs> felt like no, it's okay. Um, it's more along the lines of uh, like Dana said that it's he just blanketed him like pretty much mm-hmm. both rounds the mm-hmm. whole time, and I just I felt like the whole time I was sitting there like get up on your feet, and he was even using his toes on like on the cage to pull himself up, and that was that was that was crazy. At that point, I was like, oh, you're done. Like, I already knew round one that that was going to be a problem. Kamara, what was your take of round one? Um, in, in this in this game, in the MMA world now, we are all professional, especially when you're trying to fight for the UFC. You are a professional, which means you should be at the top of, at the top of, the, of, of your game. You're, you're, you're a level above every other little small promotions and small shows out there. And so being a professional at the highest level you have to be trained and skilled at all levels. And so it is your fault if you can't get up for five minutes, you're, you're down on the ground and you can't get up. That's your fault. That means you need to, you did, you did something wrong. You need to work on something. And yeah. so it's quick for people to, to, to judge and say, oh, he just took him down and held him down. Well, the guy should have got up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> he's a professional get up if he's taking you down and holding you down get up and punch him in the face that's you're a professional <laughs> you should be able to do that uh, another professional should not be able to hold you down because when we come in this game everybody wants to be a world champion at least i hope so and so you have to work towards that and world champions don't get held down and just lay there and, and blanketed and true. be yeah. true all right round two let's do it he gave up that's exactly what I saw. As soon as he was up against uh, uh, the the cage and his arm was completely wrapped around like that, and yeah, he just wasn't he head. wasn't even moving. He was just laying there trying to figure out. He was even trying to move his hands in places. Then he gave up halfway and he just kind of stood there. And that that was again the moment where I was like, "You you're so tired. Yeah. You're not going anywhere." And as a fighter, if it's especially in this competition, even though it is kind of early. If you're giving up like that, how are you going to do with the next fight? Yeah, Jay. There was one part the the up kick. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm curious if 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 Kamaru can talk about if if anybody um, you know brought brought that up after the fact. I don't think it made a difference in in the fight. Um, Buscape was on his way to win, but yeah. um, at one point uh, midway through, um, Uros did throw an illegal up kick that landed on Buscape, mm-hmm. and the referee kind of failed in that moment there when he didn't stop it. Um, 
Boscopi had he was a grounded opponent technically speaking and uh Uros threw the threw a, a kick to his head it landed um but referee and I think it was Marcos Rosales I could be wrong about that but that's uh, I believe that was his name um didn't stop the fight when he absolutely should have it was in full view um, Wow did you see did you see that Um you know what I I think I did but in the heat of the moment, I, I, I was so worked up for that fight that mm-hmm. I you just don't even care. And Buscape is a guy that just you need you, you're going to need a bat and yeah. ten other guys with bats <laughs> to stop him say. from coming forward. But nevertheless, and, I mean, it was illegal blow that was yep. right in front of the referee. He should have stopped it and the separated. The referee him. saw it because you yeah. even heard him in the fight say, "Are you okay?" or something yeah. like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the wrong procedure there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there was there was a few mistakes, but you know, it didn't it didn't deter the the, sure. the plan. Was to, which was to go out there and get the win for the team. And mm-hmm. so that's what he continued, and that's what he did. Jared, what was your take? Everyone else has pretty much said it. Uh, Buscape had dominated him. In the, I think he had him in the half guard for a while mm-hmm. in that round. But I'll go back to the strikes. Everyone was saying Uros's strikes were going to be dominating. And he came out so wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And Buscape had so much more compact strikes. Mm-hmm. And they were just so much more accurate. And as soon as he started beating him at his supposed game, yeah. You knew, okay, and then even uh, even Uros tried to uh, take him down, and that's not his game at all. He wasn't listening yeah. to his coaches. He just got, he got really wild. And I think he got kind of worked up in the moment, and Buscape was so calm. Well, the Bloxillians are up now, fifty points, right? They get twenty five mm-hmm. for those first yeah. four fights, so they take the win. Um, what did you guys? Uh, I guess. Well, we we kind of sorry. We have to keep going because we're going to wrap up, but. Um, you know, what do you think strategy moving forward? What do they need to do to American top team that is to now start to catch up to the Black Zillions? I think they, they probably need to just pick the uh, start sending out their top guys mm-hmm. and see who who they send. I'd I'd probably use uh, Nate Coy or uh, who's the other one that I, the other um, wrestler um, at the top of my list here. I'll tell you Nate Coy or um, well Steve Carl or even uh, Grillo. Um, you know, Grillo's a heavy-handed striker. Nate Coy, with his wrestling, can take down and and, and hopefully keep a guy down. Yeah, um, I, they, I'm watching Kamara, Kamara's face. <laughs> what? I know you can't well, he keep too much. He knows He's the Stop secret keeper. What? What can we be looking forward to that you're you're actually allowed to kind of share with us? Ah, uh, uh, you guys are just, you know, it. Maybe because Dana said that, you know, when Dana says something, people tend to, to listen to it and run with it and, and, and go off of that. But I'm excited. I'm very excited to, for you guys to see what is up next in these next episodes. There's 10 more episodes, and, and it. I'm just excited for you guys to see it because these – it's basically and, – and I've said this in all my interviews that I've done for this. It's – it's going to be a, it's an unbelievable finish to where people might even think that this is scripted. This was fake. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that, how good this you is. You got me. <laughs> you got me. Hook, line, and sinker there. Yeah. So um, we're looking forward to seeing you fight again, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, what what, what <laughs> episode should we turn in there? Huh? Um, Did I get him? Okay, Damn. quickly, we, we have to touch on a real quick, important UFC topic. Very quick. I want everybody's opinion on this. Oh, yes, the you know, injury with, to with, uh, Khabib, right? No, yeah. that would be Ramp- Mr. Fight? That would be no, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> 
stop. He's hilarious. The Mr. Opener John and the Jones. Stop. Wait, everybody, quick opinion because we've got to wrap up. John Jones being stripped of his title. Go, Alexis. I have no words for that. Okay. Absolutely <laughs> the right thing to do. There was yeah. yeah, no question. It was handled correctly. And he needed to be in this case. Yeah, okay. I agree. As a fan, I don't I don't care if he is or not. I want to see guys fight. I want to see girls fight. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. I know the le- they're, they're a league, so they have to do what they have to do. Uh, I don't think it protects their image at all. I, I think really? they, no, I don't think wow. so because it's such a brutal sport already. I don't think if he's allowed to fight, I don't think they're looked at as anything worse or they anything. Yeah. Cars in the, uh, I know it's bad. I'm not condoning his behavior. <laughs> I'm just saying, as a fan, I want to see him okay. knock people out. All right, he yeah. almost did. Kamara, what do you have to say about John Jones being stripped of his title? Um, to be honest, I, I, I can I can take a step back and uh, I really see this from both sides and. And just the, the, the hurt and maybe the, the sadness and disappointment that he feels and not just himself, but in his family, letting them know like how, how much he's let them down. And at the same time, I can look on UFC's behalf and how much he's letting the brand down because it's all for the brand. Yeah. And what he did is not good for their brand. It's not acceptable for their brand. And so I can understand why they would strip him of the title and what why they took the action that they did. But I also, my heart also goes to him, and I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I agree with you, Kamara, 100%. I think the UFC handled this correctly. I, I, I wish John Jones the best and, and that he gets the help that he needs and that he comes back. Um, Kamara, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. We really appreciate it. We should get one more question in on him, the most important one of the week even, oh. maybe. Who you got? Mayweather, Pacquiao. Oh, no, why'd you do that? Oh, <laughs> Did my God. Uh, Mayweather is, is my oh. man. I, I think he's a defensive genius in the sport. But I don't think – I think Pacquiao might be the right guy yeah. <laughs> yeah, to do that, to dethrone him. Pac-Man nice. president. Where can everybody <laughs> find you on social media, Kamaru? I am on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, at USMAN84. KG. Fantastic. Cool. Love it. KG. And of course, Facebook, my name, Kamaru Usman. Thank you, Kamaru. And Alexis, where can everybody find you? You can find me all over the interwebs as ATORES890. You can also find me at our sister network, BlackHollywoodLive.com, where we talk about geek, te- uh, geek, nerd, and tech news. I talk about video games, things that are happening in the Apple and the Microsoft world, and things like that. Jay. JTAN716, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and I'm going back to Friendster. Okay. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Gilkerson Radio. Let's talk a little UFC. Let's get controversial. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I'm Suri Serrano on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. Thank you all so much for joining us. See you next week. Bye. Later. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 